I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This is a take. Roll them. Quiet. Hey. Hello and welcome to the BFI podcast. I'm Henry. And I'm Anna. Hi Anna, we're going to be talking about A Star Is Born this episode. So in that spirit, what's your favourite musician cameo in a film? Well, I've had all of five seconds to think about it, but mm-hmm. um, I'm going to go with Iggy Pop in Tank Girl. I haven't seen Tank Girl. What does he do? Iggy Pop, bless him, as amazing as he is as a musician, kind of just shows up in random henchman roles in films where he could arguably have played a slightly larger role. He also shows up in The Crow. Musicians do amazing random henchmen. In that spirit, my favourite cameo is Anthony Kiedis of the Red Hot Chili Peppers in Point Break. That is an excellent choice. As a kind of punk, violent surfer. And his one line, I think, is something like, that would be a waste of time. This is where you tell me all about how locals rule and yuppie insects like me shouldn't be surfing the break and all that, right? (laughs) Nope. That would be a waste of time. (laughs) He's dreadful. I mean, everything about the Red Hot Chili Peppers is slightly ridiculous. Excuse but his you. cameo in that is... Excuse you. Point Break ridiculous. One of my favourite bands when I was a teenager. <laughs> They're a great band. They're also slightly silly. Anyway, <laughs> this episode we're going to be talking about A Star Is Born, recently remade for the third time by Bradley Cooper and starring him and Lady Gaga. Anna, can you tell us what the basic plot of A Star Is Born is? So the plot has remained the same since the first version in the 30s and really established and popular but declining musician in this case, played by Bradley Cooper, who directs himself, randomly meets an amazing and intriguing young new talent played here by Lady Gaga. He discovers her and he's enchanted by her and he helps kickstart her musical career. And in the process, they fall in love, but they are challenged by his self-destructive tendencies and his addiction to drugs and alcohol. And there's been versions of this story made in the 1930s, 1950s, 1970s and now. What is it about the story that endures, do you think? We always have a fascination with artists and their creative process and it's an interesting two pairs of films because the first two were focused on the movie business and the last two are centred on the music industry and it's all about looking at how artists work, how they create together, how they sometimes implode in spite of their talent and in spite of themselves. Can I ask you a personal question? Okay. Do you write songs or anything? I don't sing my own songs. Why? I just don't feel comfortable. Why wouldn't you feel comfortable? 
Almost every single person has told me they liked the way I sounded, but that they didn't like the way I look. I think you're beautiful. Okay, we'll be talking about our stars soon, but a quick detour first. Anna, what have you discovered in the last time since we spoke? Um, There is only one thing anybody should be watching right now, and it is Killing Eve. So good. It is excellent. Producer Pete doesn't like it, by the way. We're both scowling at him now. It is shocking and incorrect. (laughs) Um, Why is it so good and why is Pete so wrong? (laughs) Well, it is the new creative venture from Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who is most famously the writer and star of Fleabag, which is also an excellent, very dark show. And it stars Sandra Oh, which I have been waiting for her to have a leading role, I think things for years and it is essentially a very straightforward police procedural it's about a detective who becomes really obsessed with this hitman or hitwoman should i say and the dynamic between them and a cat and mouse chase between sandra owen jodie comer's character villanelle is fascinating to watch unfold i know you are an extraordinary person exceptionally bright Determined. I know something happened to you. I know you're a psychopath. You should never tell a psychopath you're a psychopath. And it really does reverse a lot of the cliches that we find in these types of uh, series. And I'm look, I'm giving the shade eye to our producer right now. Poor Pete. <laughs> um, and the performances, particularly by Comer and by O, are just absolutely stunning and so charismatic and full of humor, but also this sort of violent glee in which they revel in these roles that are usually reserved for men. Excellent. My discovery this time around has been not very new film called The Quiet Place or A Quiet Place starring Emily Blunt and John Krasinski, who directed it. It's a horror film about a world where alien type beings have invaded and any sound that anybody makes leads to their untimely demise by these creatures. I just thought it was so good. I watched it with my mum and my sister and they're both chatterboxes by nature and I can't remember the last film that they sat through and didn't talk through, which is intensely annoying. But this time they kept it quiet because the film demanded it because nearly all of the film is in silence. There's lots of sign language and there's very huge tense moments because of that. And uh, I just absolutely thought it was brilliant. Have you seen it? I have. The tension and the way that they use sound and also because one of the characters, one of the actresses is actually hearing impaired Mm -hmm. herself. The way they use sign language um, and play around with deafness as well on screen is quite interesting. Although I was actually left a bit cold by the film, although it did have a couple of really stellar scenes. They have and to put a screaming baby in a box to keep it quiet, Anna. Does that not twang every heartstring you've got? No. <sighs> I'm, I'm dead inside. Have you not realised that already? He's a man with two kids speaking anyway. <laughs> <laughs> So let's talk about A Star Is Born. Because we knew we were going to be talking about A Star Is Born, we've been watching all the previous versions and I was re-watching them. And in your case, Henry, you were watching them for the first time. So talk me through that experience. It is amazing watching kind of a template of a Hollywood story done in different eras because they feel like starkly different films, but they also feel 
very similar through plot, but also through things like the, the kind of gender and power dynamics that are going on. And I think that's why these films are interesting, right? That it's always the aging boozy man who finds this kind of faux naive new starlet and helps her rise up through the industry. And particularly now in the age of Me Too, what does that mean for us in a modern time? I think that that's kind of fascinating. The first version that I watched was the original, which was released in Help Me Anna, 1936. That stars Janet Gaynor and Frederick March as the two protagonists. Um, 37, sorry. 37. As the two protagonists, the starlet is called Vicky Lester, or her kind of Hollywood name is, and the Norman Maine is the name of the boozy star that is starting to fall on its decline. It feels like a very kind of traditional 1930s film. In it. It's very kind of soft in its politics, and there is an element of almost Bambi-like innocence to Janet Gaynor's character, and she's allowed to drift through the Hollywood system with lots of well-meaning men looking after her. I'm afraid my mouth's not quite big enough. I'll, uh, I'll measure it next time and make them to size. A little hard to lift, too. In <laughs> fact, I think I'll take those measurements right now. And that's what I wait for. All day. That's why I rush home without even changing my costume. So it feels like a very, very old-fashioned version of the story. And Norman Maine, actually, in this film, is a kind of charming drunk. He's a comedic drunk. He's one that is self-destructive and ultimately destructive to her, but a guy that you kind of like all the same and find him kind of in the Jimmy Stewart vein of these charming lead roles. So it's not a dark film at all, even if it's pretending that Hollywood can be a dark place. There's definitely an awful lot of um, gender dynamics in it that are very much the woman is there to be looked after and cared for, which definitely changes when you get to the next version of the film. The 1956 version, which is probably one of the most famous ones because it stars Judy Garland, James May, and that one does actually go a bit darker. I completely agree with you that the Frederick March version actually centers him a bit more than the female lead in the story, which actually shifts from the 1950s version because Judy Garland is obviously the big name in this film. And at that stage in her career, um, this was her vehicle for a big comeback. She would, you know, famously had a very rough time in Hollywood and struggled with her own substance abuse for the majority of her life and eventually self-destructed as well. So it felt like art imitating her life in a way, which adds a different layer of interest and of kind of poignancy to the watching the film today. Sometimes I hate him. I hate his promises to stop and then the watching and waiting to see it begin again. I hate to go home to him at night and listen to his lies. Well, my heart goes out to him because he tries. He does try. But I hate him for failing. It very much follows the blueprint of the 1937 version in which the characters have the same name. Judy plays Vicky Lester, which is the name that is given to her by studio executives because her original name is not sexy enough to be put on a Hollywood marquee. And there's this really, a much more brutal scene about her being remade to fit a certain mold physically. And that is something that continues in every single film. 
but she is literally given a fake nose, a wig, her lips are made up to look completely different, her eyebrows are reshaped, so she comes out of the studio machine looking like an entirely different person, entirely not herself, and completely insecure because she's been told about everything that's wrong with her as opposed to everything that she's got to give and the talent that the Norman main character, in this case played by James Mason, found so alluring and so interesting and kind of made him want to support her talent. Because one of the enduring things about the story is that it is this male star, male creative, who talent spots someone and wants to make them rise up because he thinks that they've got something special that nobody else has, but also wants to protect her from the machinery that can destroy her by telling her that she's not good enough. And in this case, she soars above it. He is incapable of dealing with that and of accepting his own decline as well, even if it is engineered by himself and his own self-destructive tendencies. And then jump forward to the 1970s version. This stars Barbara Streisand in the Vicky Lester-ish role, although it's changed to the music industry rather than Hollywood this time. And then Chris Christopherson is your crumbly old country music guitarist who's starting to let the booze get to his performances and to himself as well, obviously. I think there's a real stark difference between the 50s and the 70s one in that that film was made at a time when women's lib was starting to come into his own a little bit and Streisand is very much the power player of the movie. Christopherson looks cute and he sings nice and that, but he's really like a kind of bumbling alcoholic who is evidently on the decline. Whereas with the 30s and the 50s versions, it feels like these men still have power that they're there to lose. Christopherson feels more like the kind of cuddly lover boy that is starting to fall apart at the seams. I don't want to do this to you anymore. Well, then. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit kia.com to learn more. Kia. 
Movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824.